Welcome to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. In this episode, we get you set for the Elks and Bombers Friday night with Ed Tate of BlueBombers.com. And also, set up next week's ATP Challenger event. We got Pro Tennis in Winnipeg at the Lawn Tennis Club with Mark Arndt of Tennis Manitoba. That's all on the podcast. Just over 24 hours, the game will be kicking off between the Bombers and Elks in Edmonton just after 8 o'clock our time here in Winnipeg, and a man covering the action for BlueBombers.com is our friend Ed Tate. Ed, how's Edmonton tonight? You know what? It's all right. Well, we'll see tomorrow night where Edmonton has not been a good place for the Elks. Can you believe that a team could lose 10 straight home games? Well, and especially this franchise too, Christian. You know, this team has got such a storied history, and, you know, they won those five great cups in a row in the late seventies and early eighties. And it's just shocking to me. They've gone, you know, like, like you said, 10 straight without a win at home. How do you market that? How do you sell that? That's gotta be really tough. And the bombers have been an authors of a few of those losses a couple last year, and we'll see if they can make it uh, 11 in a row tomorrow night. The two games they played in Edmonton last year were both pretty close. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. we didn't think much of the Elks at all. And I think justifiably so Going into those games, the Bombers were losing in the third quarter of the first meeting before two defensive scores, and they were tied pretty late into the second meeting. So a case of the Bombers knowing that they can't take the team lightly because last year they were close against an Elks team that really was not the same caliber as the Bombers. Yeah, I think there's there's an awful lot of the kind of those um, warning signs and or, or those those cautionary kind of notes from the coaching staff and even some of the vets that went through this last year is to don't take anybody lightly. We saw even last week the Elks come back against Montreal. Um, they started to look like a different team with Tony, uh, Taylor Cornelius at quarterback. Um, you know, I, I think Winnipeg's uh, far more talented, but there's always something mysterious or different about a Chris Jones coach team. You know, they, they're unorthodox in a lot of things they do, especially on defense. And I'm sure he's going to have some wrinkles for Winnipeg. So everybody's saying the right things, Christian, about not taking these guys lightly, um, you know, and I think that's the approach you got to take in into a game like this, even when you're a team like Winnipeg and rolling along at 6-0, and especially with the changes. And I'm sure you want to get to that too. You know, there's a couple guys out of the lineup now in Greg Ellingson and Jackson Jeffcoat, so that changes the way Winnipeg's depth chart looks for sure. Well, let's touch on that now. Ellingson, who was the top performer last week in the game against Calgary, was there any sign of a hip injury that night? When did this injury flare up? Well, you know, uh, they opened practice on Tuesday, and uh, he was not uh, not practicing, but he was running around okay, and still still uh, active and catching balls and stuff like that. And I'm not sure if he, if he just didn't get better this week, Christian, or if he had a setback, the other, the other practice on Wednesday was closed. And then the same thing for Jackson Jeffcoat. I was, uh, to be honest, I'm, uh, was a bit surprised to see him on the, on the one game injured list too, because uh, he had practiced on Tuesday. So I'm not sure if something happened with these guys yesterday or not, but uh, those are two massive changes to the lineup. Um, when you take the guy that's leading the league in uh, receptions and receiving yards and also a, kind of an underrated stat, he's leading the league in second down conversions. So that will be really interesting to see what Zach Caleros does with his receiving quarter more night because, uh, you know, we also remember that Nick Dembski's out of the lineup. So 
got some new faces that he's going to have to connect with tomorrow. Well, Carlton Agadosi had a, a, mm-hmm. a debut for the ages last week, and perhaps we'll get called upon a lot. And maybe we'll see more Rashid Bailey, who's been very untargeted the last three weeks. I think just six catches combined the last three games. Yeah, uh, Agadosi, I mean, that's a tough act to follow his own, right? I mean, he had two touchdowns last week, but just his frame makes him kind of an interesting target, especially in the red zone to see if, uh, like his first touchdown last week, if he can get some, you know, maybe even a jump ball again, like uh, Zach Claros threw him last week. You, you bring up a good point about Rashid Bailey and, and the lack of targets for him, Christian. You know, he's playing a new position, and uh, it's difficult for a guy that, you know, had to learn the waggle and then, you know, really leaned on the advantages that you get with a running start towards a line of scrimmage. Now he's playing wide out, and he's starting from a standing position a lot of times. And I know Buck Pierce moves him around, but they're going to need guys like Rashid Bailey and Drew Altarski and, and Dalton Schoen to, to stand up too. You know, we don't know what we're going to get from Carlton Agadosi. Can he follow his own, uh, you know, really good performance from last week? And then Janarian Grant is going to get some some reps at in Ellingson's spot along with Tavares Harrison, who had a touchdown in the preseason game. So, again, some different faces uh, around that receiving core. And, and, again, coming off a week two with a ground game, struggled to get some yardage. So, there's going to be some question marks about what Winnipeg might be able to do tomorrow night offensively. Defensively, Jackson Jeffcoat comes out. Uh, he's missed time before, and the Bombers' defense mm-hmm. has been fine. And it, the question will be, what kind of pressure can they get on Taylor Cornelius, a quarterback with a great arm who is pretty inaccurate at times. He can let it fly right. all over the place. He, when he harnesses it, he can be kind of dangerous. But uh, the Elks have been forced to start a number of quarterbacks this season. I'd still say advantage Winnipeg tomorrow night on the quarterback battle versus this front. Yeah. You know, it will be interesting because, you know, Willie Jefferson spoke about this today about not having Jackson Jeffcoat on the other side. It's, you know, Cedric Wilcox and LB Mack have shown some flashes, but you know, if you're Edmonton, you're going to, you know, spend some, pay some extra attention to Willie Jefferson and then see if these new guys at the other end can do anything. So, I'm sure that they'll get tested and, and maybe they'll even try to, you know, steer away from, from Willie Jefferson. When you tried that before and you were running into Jackson Jeffcoat, it was it was a tall order to, to still be productive. So um, we'll see what kind of pressure they're going to get after Cornelius. You make a good point, uh, Christian. He's got a can for an arm, but as we saw in those games last year against Winnipeg, he wasn't always throwing it to the right color jersey. and Winnipeg took advantage of that a couple of times, so I think uh, even though he's got a few more starts under his belt, we're going to see Winnipeg try to camouflage coverages and bring all kinds of different pressures up up front, uh, even with Jackson Jeffcoat out of the lineup, because, you know, that's just what this defense does. You've got to get after him and and make him squirm a little bit. Chris Jones, always known for interesting lineup choices. He's got Deron Carter listed as the backup safety on the roster for tomorrow. (laughs) He's got Malik Irons and uh, Jamal Lyles at running back, two Canadians who weren't part of this team uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, I mean, from week to week, it's hard to know who's going to be in this line. They've had a ton of injury issues this year. They, it, right, and even in the last week, too, you know, I'm looking at their lineup, and there's one, two, three, four, five, six, eight, nine changes to the, the depth chart from last week, and the biggest name that jumps out for me is Darrell Walker, 
uh, won't be playing tomorrow night. But it's a real tough team to get a read on, Christian, because, you know, they've been trying to find the right pieces. And in that search, it's been like a revolving door of uh, at, uh, at, with their roster. It's just crazy how many changes there they have from week to week to week. And, you know, the Bombers talk over and over and over again about continuity. And, you know, you, you look at the the Elks lineup from week to week, and it's just, uh, who are these guys sometimes? Remember just a couple of weeks ago, everybody was raving about Trey Ford, the Canadian quarterback, and he looked so promising, and now it's Cornelius. They started Nick Arbuckle. They traded him. Uh, it's just uh, crazy what they're going through here to try to find the right pieces. And they've shown an awful lot of faith in, in, in Chris Jones and his blueprint, but uh, two and four and still winless at home, you know, isn't a glowing endorsement about what he's done so far. Well, and now Kyle Loxley, who had been the backup, right. is out too another one. at quarterback yeah. for uh, the Elks. So, I I mean, the Bombers should win this game. Uh, if we're being, you know, we're putting our, our hats on to make predictions here. They, they are the better team. It's They're the two-time defending champs. They're six and oh, and the Elks are two and four. Is there any risk of a trap game with Calgary coming up next week? Oh, I think absolutely there is. You know, we we talked about the changes to the depth chart. You know, there's still no Brandon Alexander. There's, you know, Kyrie Wilson's gone for the year. There's a lot of changes to this to this roster. And they're in this ugly stretch of games. And I know the Bombers themselves won't talk about this, but five of six uh, on the road, they're the, going to be the last team to get a bye week. Uh, you know, they had last week the Toronto game on a Monday, then to Vancouver on a Saturday. You know, they go into Calgary next week. The Stamps will be coming off a bye. Like, it just seems like the schedule maker had it in for the Bombers. Man, it's just incredible. Now, they won't complain about it at all, and they'll just roll their eyes if they heard me talking about it right now. You're right, they're a better team, but uh, this one does have trap game written all over it for all kinds of uh, reasons. Well, Mike O'Shea, I think, said yesterday that you're making too much of a deal of the yep. schedule, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, he did. Uh, it, you know, uh, that's the, the Mike O'Shea way. That's the way this team works. But it doesn't stop us from in the media from looking at the schedule and looking at some of the just the, the ridiculousness of it in a lot of ways. Some teams are going to have two buys by the time Winnipeg gets one. And so it for you know, and that could be great down the stretch, right? You're going to be rested. You're going to get people back. So you know, in a lot of ways, if Winnipeg can get through this this run until mid-August when they get their first buy, and that the injuries don't keep piling up, then then maybe they'll be better off for the second half of the year. But but in the moment and going through this right now, um, I think it it's it makes the six and zero start even that much more impressive in my in my books. Well, BC tomorrow night is, or later tonight, pardon me, is going to play their first game since the Bombers beat them almost two weeks ago. They've only played four games. Toronto's only played four games. By the time they play their fifth, the Bombers will have played seven. It's ridiculous. I, yeah, I understand that in this, you got nine teams that somebody has to be on a bye. But I mean, there should be a better way of doing this. Like BC's only got one more the rest of the year. Yeah, and you know what the better way of of handling all this is, and I know this might be. Uh, a moot point right now. What it is is you got to get a tenth team. I mean, let's go. We've been talking about the Maritimes forever, um, but maybe if if there's nothing, if there's no, no momentum there, then you've got to find somewhere else. I know people have talked about Quebec City. People have talked about you know a, a team in Saskatoon or in Interior BC or the London Ontario 
Guelph area. Like, but uh, you know, the 10 team, 10 team solves all this, but you know, for as long as I've been alive, Christian, and that's a long time now, we've been talking about the 10th team in the CFL. I was living in Nova Scotia there when the Atlantic schooners idea first floated in the late seventies, early eighties. And it, it's still just a pipe dream right now. So um, unfortunately in the meantime, we're going to have this unbalanced schedule and, and a team like Winnipeg kind of getting short, the short end of the schedule um, until about mid-August. I mean, the pandemic definitely sewered some plans for the right. the tenth team, and I feel like it'll happen eventually. But I, right now, there doesn't seem to be political appetite in Halifax to build a stadium, which is the big hurdle there. But nonetheless, uh, we we wait for the the schedule to be balanced out. But but, but we'll get you out of here on this. Ed, the, the idea that the Bombers are playing Edmonton this week, Calgary on the road next week, and then they get uh, the, the buys coming up. Do you think that you know if you're gonna have a guy like Ellingson and Jeff Coat that are maybe 50-50-ish, you look at Edmund and say, you know what, we could probably win without them? Or is that not part of the thinking? Uh, I'm not sure that that's part of the thinking, but there's there's a good, that's a real good theory. I mean, it, it, look, the bottom line is, you, you and, and Coach O'Shea, I mean, every coach is going to be like this, but these guys think they can win with their, it's their next man up mentality. But uh, with again, with the schedule being so nasty right now and this ugly stretch they're going through, if someone's not a hundred percent, and if someone tells the coach I, I I can't go, then I think you gotta you gotta go with someone else. And you know we saw what Carl Nagadosi did last week. Maybe Janarian Grant or Tavares Harrison pops off the page tomorrow. Maybe Cedric Wilcox makes a play at defensive end or LB Mack. You know that that's what this team does. It's still got a lot of talent out there when I'm looking at their depth chart all over the board. And like you said, this is a better football team. So maybe, again, the silver lining here is that you try to get through this this ugly stretch, and if a guy has to take a week off, uh, maybe you're better for it when the games really matter down the stretch. Well, Ed, I uh, appreciate your time as always. Thanks for this, and enjoy the game tomorrow night. Right on, Christian. Appreciate it. Have a good night, and thanks for having me on. That is Ed Tate of BlueBombers.com. He's covered the team for a long time, knows the ins and outs of this place, like a few others do. We turn our attention now to tennis because Pro Tennis is coming back to Winnipeg on Monday at the Winnipeg Lawn Tennis Club as we welcome in Mark Arndt of Tennis Manitoba. Mark, have you had a chance to sleep the last couple of weeks? <laughs> oh, man, good question. Uh, actually, maybe four hours a night three hours if I'm lucky. So yeah, definitely stressful times, uh, exciting times and uh, anxious, you know, just to put on a, a good event, put on a good show. And uh, I mean, the, the, cl- the class that's coming, the, uh, the class of player that's coming this year is phenomenal. So I'm, I'm really excited as is the, uh, the whole team around me. So Vashik Pospisil uh, headlines, the group of players that are coming. He's from Canada. He's had, a bit of a, a injury break here the last few months. He's been playing in challenger events most of the year. He used to be in the top uh, 30. Uh, what's it like to have a, a player of his caliber coming here to Winnipeg? Oh, it's phenomenal. Like I, I just, I can't stop smiling when I, I heard from tennis Canada that uh, there's a possibility of him coming. I'm like, okay, fantastic. Let's I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. And then when it became reality, I was so, uh, so excited for not only the you know, us putting on the event, but just just uh, Winnipeg in general, the the tennis community, because he is such a, a well known figure for those who follow the sport and 
I mean, I think he was the uh, he was the one he helped turn it around, turn tennis uh, in Canada around uh, for our nation uh, way back when, uh, about ten years ago. He started him, Milos Raonic and Jeannie Bouchard were the three that I feel were the, the catalyst to uh, to put tennis on the map here in our uh, in our country. Well, I hundred percent agree. When he was on with Jim Toth on Monday, I played his clips on the show, on yeah. on on my show, and, and one of the things I pointed out was, yeah, he's thirty two now. When he burst onto the scene, the people that came before him was basically Daniel Nestor, and, and that was yeah. kind of it. And, and he yeah. had some success. Milos Raonic, obviously, with Jeannie Bouchard, had the big breakthroughs at the majors. But you know, they paved the way for the likes of Denis Shapovalov and Felix Ogiali-Sim on the men's side, Bianca Andreescu and Layla Fernandez on the women's side, right, players in their early 20s now that are playing at very high levels here in Canada. So when people go to this tournament next week and they see him, they see Liam Brody, who was at Wimbledon, made it to the third round, and other players that have, have played in, in moderately big tournaments over the years, they're going to see some really dang good tennis, aren't they? It definitely no, and actually one more name is Kyle Edmund. Kyle uh, is from Great Britain. He was the former British number one before injury took its toll. He was as high as 14 in the world and, and made the Aussie Open semifinals. So Kyle actually came into town yesterday. He was out on the practice court today at from 10 o'clock till about, uh, I'm going to say a good three hours, till about quarter to one, and then took a two-hour break, came back again, and went on for another hour or so. So he pretty put, yeah, pretty much put in four hours on the court today and just... We're setting up the uh, we're setting up the venue, and he's working around us. They didn't care about the noise, the distractions, or anything like that, and just went about his business. And it's just so nice to see again, four, number fourteen in the world is on our courts here, and it's just it's it's honestly it, it is a privilege to have people like that coming into our into our community, into our city, and, and being able to wa- watch them, to talk to them, and discuss things. And they're so open, they're so friendly. And uh, it's just such a great experience. And that's for, I mean, we do this for the kids. We do this so the kids can come and see these guys that you see on TV playing Wimbledon, U.S. Open, doing well, and then all of a sudden they're here in our own backyard and to be able to, to watch what they do, and especially our ball kids, like our ball kids that we have, the, the crew of 50 or so, they're on court with them and just, you know, helping them uh, you know, towel off and, and, and all of that. So it's just all around on so many levels, it's a great experience for, for our community. Yeah, I've been making the Aussie Open semis back in 2018. Uh, yeah. Explain to those who don't know, what is the challenger circuit? How is that different than maybe the, the ATP and the majors and whatnot? Yeah, so it's a, it's a step below. Um, I, I wouldn't say it's the AHL, like in relation to the NHL, uh, as far as hockey is concerned. It, it is a step above. I mean, the players that we have playing on the challenger tour are anywhere from rank 70 in the world to uh, say three, 400 in the world. And then you also get past players that are coming back from injury, as is the case for Vashik and, and Kyle, uh, that were, that have, uh, that have hit like high, high rankings. Uh, we had Bernard Tomicher, uh, the one we last hosted back in 2019, and he was also a top 20 player. So, uh, again, you know, if you can compare to NHL hockey, I mean, what, there's six, 700 players in the NHL. So, uh, you know, you've got the top, 200 that are playing here in in Winnipeg so basically you're getting second liners uh second third liners that are playing here in Winnipeg which is uh, not too shabby at all so that's that's what the challenger it's one step below the ATP tour which is the full tour where you see Roger Federer and Rafa Nadal and the likes of those this is one step below that and a lot of those like you had said Liam Brody made three rounds of Wimbledon and and finally bowed out so uh yeah it's uh it's pretty phenomenal tennis to be quite honest I'd urge people to come and see it up close and personal
So when you're talking about uh, the people that are in this tournament, are they generally players that would have to go through qualifying to, to get into a major just because of their ranking? No, some, no, not at all. Some, uh, again, uh, say a major tournament where there's a, a draw, so well over 100 players. So uh, these players that are 70, 80, 90 in the world, they have direct uh, entry into the draw. And then some, yeah, but the majority, so, so there are, you know, a handful of players like that. But uh, some are definitely, they do have to go through qualifying. And uh, our last champion uh, in 2019 from Australia, uh, Kugler is his last name. He usually has to go through qualifying draws of the of the majors of Wimbledon and then uh, make it a few rounds in. And, and yeah, so most of the time that's how they do have to cut their teeth basically. And then finally, uh, you know, they have their breakthrough through, have their uh, some good results and, and don't have to go through challengers and qualifiers to make it into, uh, into a major uh, tournament. So from your point of view, when you're organizing a tournament like this, what, what goes into that practice to, to put this all together? <laughs> It'd be fun to, to to follow me around for for the week leading up to like this whole week. We we started the load in on uh, on Tuesday and and uh, all day yesterday. They're basically twelve, thirteen, fourteen hours loading in, uh, uh, you know, bleachers and 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 making. Uh, the Winnipeg Lawn Tennis Club, which is where uh, we're hosting. So the Winnipeg Lawn Tennis Club has 11 courts, but basically we have to convert those 11 courts into uh, a world-class facility and, and by bringing in the bleachers and all the signage and, and camera equipment because this the, the tournament does stream, uh, is a live stream worldwide. And in fact, uh, about 2018, I believe it was the second highest live streaming event in North America, which is a phenomenal achievement for us. But uh, so yeah, all the... All the power, all the electronics that have to that are associated with uh, just uh, the the moving of uh, of all say even things like umpire chairs that you know move them out of storage. We store them for the year, bring them onto the venue, and uh, uh, bringing in what seven thousand bottles of water and and a thousand towels and uh, to be ready for the event. It, it, it's an undertaking. We've so fortunate. We've got a great team of uh, team of. Uh, volunteers that help us out we have an operations team as well and it really is the planning is it goes year round as much as people sometimes ask you know what do you do in tennis during the winter time but winter time is when all the planning happens and, and you're a good nine ten months out of the actual event is when when the planning starts for the following year so as soon as we wrap up this year i know i'll be already thinking i'll take a little bit of time off and then start thinking about next year how, how we can do better and um and that's it but yeah it, it, it's a lot of sweat equity that goes into it and surround ourselves with great people that help out. And, uh, yeah, I'm excited uh, for, for them as well because, you know, you see the smile on their faces once these, these top-caliber players come and play and, and to see that, that ball hit crisply, cleanly, it, it's, pretty, it's an awesome sight, actually. Well, for you, as you know, you're very involved in tennis in this province and, and with yeah. development, but for you as a tennis fan, must also <laughs> be a pretty thrilling experience to just be out there watching them play. It was honestly today. So Kyle Edmund was, uh, he was training, as I said, and then I drove him back to the hotel and talking to his coach and, and him. And it's like, here's a guy again, like you're watching him on TV and then just picking his brain on a few things and, and talking soccer and, and, and all that. And just him asking questions about Winnipeg and not believing that we go to minus 45 with the wind chill. I said, yeah, our, our swing here is almost 90 degrees. Like sometimes with the heat, we're at, you know, plus 40 and 42, and then we're minus 42 the other way around in the wintertime and 
he just looked at me. I can't believe it. I said, oh, you know what? When you're born into it, it's okay. You adjust. But for someone like you, uh, that you know, your coldest in England is you know minus ten, maybe if that. And and uh, you know, it's it's fun just just talking to him. You just realize like these superhuman athletes. They they really are. And, and you know, just regular people and, and, and like having, you know, nice conversations and, and Vashik too. I, I've been told he's got a great sense of humor and I've been going back and forth with him on, on emails and all that. And it seems like he's a, he's a funny guy. So I'm looking forward to meeting him when he arrives on Saturday. So for those who want to come check this out, uh, how much are tickets? Where can they get them? Yeah, so uh, the qualifying actually starts on Sunday, ten thirty till uh, till about seven o'clock in the evening. So that's the qualifying rounds, and then main draw starts on uh, on Monday, uh, ten thirty as well. So each day we start ten thirty, go till the the marquee match is six thirty each night, and it's all at Winnipeg Lawn Tennis Club, seven o five North Drive. That's by a Wildwood Golf uh, by Wildwood Golf Club. And uh, basically, tickets are it's just a day pass, fifteen dollars. Uh, so from ten thirty till till eight o'clock at night, you can sit there all day for fifteen dollars. We have great food on site, drinks, and all that. And and kids uh, under sixteen are free. So please bring your kids. Those are the ones that we do this for, really, uh, so they can see these players and motivate our kids to to, to become like them or, or better or whatever it may be. But yeah, so for fifteen dollars, really, it's a it's a great uh, it's a great deal. Do you have night matches or do you have to clear out by a certain time? Yeah, no, you know what, because ATP standards, uh, they require certain lighting on the court. And uh, unfortunately, we're not at that stage. So we start our last match starts at 630 and usually done by uh, 8, 830 or so. And, and that's that one marquee match. So I can tell you, Vashik will be playing in, in a marquee match probably on uh, if the draw is that way it'll be either Monday night or uh, Tuesday night. We will put them in that position so people can hurry home from work uh, or, you know, come straight to the tennis club, have a, a bite to eat there, and then uh, and then watch a, a great match. So uh, definitely we're going to put him on, uh, if, if I have my way, we'll put him on uh, marquee match 6.30 in the evening on Monday or Tuesday. So, And then, of yeah. course, if you have your way too, he'll, he'll win a lot of matches too. <laughs> yes, you know how we haven't had a Canadian win. We uh, last tournament 2019, we had Braden Schnur, uh was a uh, Canadian. He uh, he lost in a closely contested final match. But uh, I don't want to even jinx it. I don't want to say what <laughs> what the dream final would be. But uh, if you can read between the lines, you, you know, I'm a homer, and I uh, yeah, I, we'll see what happens. I uh, I'm yeah, I'm hoping for the best. <laughs> Well, Mark, appreciate your time as always. Thanks for this and best of luck with everything coming up the next week and have fun. I appreciate the interview and yeah, yes, please. And I want you to come down as well. Come and check it out. I know you're an avid tennis fan, so please come down. All right, we'll do. Mark Arn of Tennis Manitoba. Well, thank you very much for listening to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. If you like what you heard, guess what? You can hear more every weeknight on CJOB from 6.30 to 9 p.m., of course. That is when the Jets are not playing, because if the Jets are playing, then I don't have a show, but I'll be part of the pre- and post-game coverage. Anyway, thanks again for tuning in. Subscribe if you'd like. We're available on iTunes and other places I'd imagine. So farewell, until we meet again. So long and thanks for all the fish. So sad that it should come to this. Place.